Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, November 9th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor, Brad Elman. Hey, that's me. And writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello. So we had kind of a positive weekend after a very stressful election week. Chris, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm still a little anxious um, because... Uh, even though Joe Biden won, the the Republican Party is apparently just refusing to uh, acknowledge that. And it's making me a little anxious. I'll, I'll feel better in uh, January, I guess. Yeah. So t- two more months or something like that. Yeah, yeah that'll be fun. It'll be a fun two months. <laughs> OK, uh, let, let's jump into the news. We haven't had a news episode in a week and a half. And because of the elections, I think we just have there hasn't been much like interesting movie news. I actually had trouble coming up with seven stories to talk about on today's podcast, but we'll, we'll start with maybe one of the most interesting stories. This is about a new star Wars Disney plus series coming from director Leslie Headland. Uh, we know that she was going, she's developing this Disney plus series, but we've since learned some new details. Chris, what do we know? Uh, yeah, so uh, last week we learned that it was going to be um, uh, 
a martial arts thriller, which is something we really didn't know before. We just knew it was going to be a, a female-driven show. And now um, Leslie Hedlund gave an interview where she gave even more in, uh, info, where she said, <clears throat> quote, I would say it's in a pocket of the universe and a pocket of the timeline that we don't know much about. Uh, and she went on to say, for me, it's less about going through the Star Wars universe cinematically, artistically. I'm kind of, I'm actually kind of combining, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm actually kind of combing through it geogra geographically and to go on a little journey. When we were pitching, I had my designer create that Indiana Jones, like we go here and then we go here with a little dotted red line. Like this is our journey. This is where we're going. So um, you know, there's not a whole lot of info there, but it does hint that this is taking, you know, the show to different places, which I'm all for because, you know, I know everyone loves the Mandalorian, but I, I feel like that show is a lot of, um, it's like star Wars greatest hits. Basically. It's like, here's all this stuff you recognize. And I, I would love to see a star Wars thing that, that goes into really. What, what, what are you talking about, Chris? They've spent the first two episodes on Tatooine. This, this weekend. <laughs> oh yeah. See, yeah. See, I, I'm, you know, and that's fine. You know, the, and people, I, and I love it too. I'm, I, but I, yeah. I agree with you in that sense. Yeah. People love, you know, people love when they play the hits, but I, I would love to see, you know, a star Wars thing that, that tries new stuff that goes to new places, you know, and, and that kind of sounds like what is being hinted at here. Well, there's two interesting things I think here. First of all, her talking about uh, geographically that they're mapping this out. Uh, I'm assuming on like the Star Wars Galactic Atlas of like where I'm guessing because this is so geographic based in, in like that that one quote that I'm guessing this is a you know this is a movie with a destination. There's like an end destination that's very important. Be it they need to get there for whatever reason. Um, and, uh, you know, there had been rumors that uh, there's a character in the comic books, Dr. Afra, um, who's kind of like an Indiana Jones. She mentioned Indiana Jones, right, with the map. Right. Um, and she's like a, uh, you know, she's after lost artifacts. So there's that. There's also been rumors that she might be directing like the Ahsoka TV series. Now, two things here. Number one. Dr. Afra, uh, Afra, uh, however you pronounce it, she takes place, at least the comic book series takes place, I think, near Empire Strikes Back. And that is a time period we have delved in quite a bit, right? Like she's saying this takes place in an area of time that is kind of like not been, I forget what her wording was, but like we haven't really dived in too much. So I'm guessing that means it has to either be before episode one or after or between return of the Jedi and <laughs> um, uh, of course awakens or after um, that the new sequel trilogy, I'm guessing if I had to guess, I, I, I want to hear your, your, your guess after this, Brad, if I had to guess, I would guess that this is Ahsoka based because she's saying it's martial arts. Ahsoka has these like almost like samurai blades right? Uh, these lightsaber blades and uh, rebels ended with her going off on a mission with Sabine Wren to find Ezra uh, Bridger, who uh, I almost said Ezra Miller, uh, <laughs> Ezra Bridger, uh, which is like in the time between return of the Jedi and force awakens, which is a time that we haven't really explored. Uh, Brad, what do you think? 
Uh, I mean, that makes sense uh, on on that little detail, especially since it is a female-led series. But I don't know. I I hope that it's maybe more than that, just because that feels like a retread of like the whole idea of like, oh, we have a map to find Luke Skywalker and let's track him, <laughs> track him out and figure out where it's at. And it's like, you know, we, we've been there before. So I don't know. I, I hope that there's a little bit more to it than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ezra's important, Brad, so they, they need to find him. Um, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Johnny Depp, who last week has announced that he's dropping out of the Fanta- Fantastic Beasts franchise. Brad, what do we know? So uh, Johnny Depp obviously has been playing uh, Gellert Grindelwald in the Fantastic Beasts franchise. Uh, He appeared at the very end of the first movie after being in disguise uh, as Colin Farrell. And then he was the uh, primary antagonist in the second movie, The Crimes of Grindelwald. But uh, due to a a recent court case verdict between him and uh, his uh, ex Amber Heard, there was a this this lawsuit had to deal with the son, a tabloid in the UK, referring to him as a wife beater, uh, claiming that he had physically abused Amber Heard, and the judge in the case uh, ruled in favor of the son, saying that the, what they wrote was not considered libel, uh, basically essentially saying that it is true uh, the things that he um, were done to Amber Heard, and because of that, uh, Warner Brothers no longer wants him to be uh, associated with the Harry Potter franchise, and so they asked him to resign, and Johnny Depp obliged. So he is no longer playing Grindelwald. Uh, They intend to find uh, a new actor to play Grindelwald um, in the next movie, which is currently... Uh, in development and is was originally slated to come out towards the end of next year, but has now been pushed back to the summer of 2022 instead. So who do you think should replace Depp? Uh, my personal choice, even though it's somewhat obvious since he's played several villains already, is I think Mads Mikkelsen would be really fun to see in the Harry Potter universe. Um, but there are, there are a lot of great actors out there who um, who could fit the bill. A lot of European actors who might might be brought in. And who, do you guys have any other suggestions? I mean, I was thinking, couldn't you just have Colin come back? You know, I, I mentioned this in the, in the story, and, like, it's you, you could, except I think it doesn't make sense narrative-wise, because <laughs> the Colin Farrell character was a disguise for Grindelwald, and now he's already given that up because he transformed in front of um, the the wizard wizarding um, politicians uh, in, in London. So I don't think that that would work too well in Grindelwald's mm. favor. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, how are you feeling with Depp leaving this franchise? Um, I think it's for the best, honestly, like regardless of the the stuff that he has been accused of, you know, which is, you know, rather disconcerting to say the least. Um, I thought that he was kind of a boring choice for Grindelwald because it it feels like he's played several characters like this before and it just didn't really seem like anything interesting. So I'm, I'm not really all that, you know, disappointed that he's, he's leaving. (laughs) Yeah. Um, let's move on. Let's talk about Christopher Nolan's Tenant, uh, which we learned last week is headed to Blu-ray, 4K, and digital release. Uh, Chris, tell us about that. Uh, yes. So Tenet was, you know, it was supposed to be the the big movie that that saved movies this summer uh, in the wake of coronavirus. But obviously that it was supposed happen. to be the Dark Knight. Yes. <laughs> and uh, that just didn't happen. And, you know, that's no fault of the film. It's just, you know. The world we're currently stuck in just uh, delayed the film from opening when it was supposed to, and it couldn't really open in as many theaters as it was hoping to. And it kind of signaled the, I don't want to say the death knell, because that makes it sound like there's no coming back, but 
it it signaled to studios everywhere that there was no point at in releasing you know their big tentpole movies because people just aren't going to turn out to see them right now and uh christopher nolan is finally weighing in on that a little bit um and in an interview he said quote uh warner brothers released tenant and i'm thrilled that it has made almost 350 million dollars but I am worried that the studios are drawing the wrong conclusions from our release that rather than looking at what the film, rather than looking at where the film has worked well and how that can provide them with much needed revenue, they're looking at where it hasn't lived up to pre COVID expectations. And we'll start using that as an excuse to make exhibition, take all the losses from the pandemic instead of getting in the game and adapting or rebuilding our business in other words. And I apologize. I didn't realize that quote was so long when I started reading it, but it was long, (laughs) but so yeah, he's basically saying he's happy. The film wasn't a complete box office bomb. uh, And he also is worried that studios, you know, the only thing they seem to learn from the whole experience was let's not open movies right now because they're not going to be as big a hit as we want them to be. And, you know, you can see where the studios are coming from there, but he has a point too, that, you know, by, uh, holding back like this, it's just going to make things worse. But at the same time, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know what the solution is at the moment. So I, you know, it's they're kind of in a stalemate right here. But here's the thing. Like, I, I mean, if I was a Hollywood studio, I would take the exact same lesson from this is like, now is not the time to release something that needs to make, you know, 500, $600 million at the box office to break even. Like now's not the time to release that into the wild because, you know, people aren't ready to go back to movie theaters. But uh, let's play devil's advocate here for a second. Hollywood often gets the message wrong. Uh, what what are the right conclusions to take from the tenant release? Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, <laughs> is, is there any right message? I don't know. Like, I don't I know what the, the, he's hoping to say the right message is to bring back the mid budget movie and stop spending so much money on films. If, if studios are this afraid of not recouping those costs, that's, that's the only thing I can think of at the moment because, you know, smaller films, indie films are still sort of opening, but all the big stuff just keeps getting pushed. And that's because, you know, those movies cost so much money that it's it's you know it's pointless to release that if they if they can't even turn us even a small profit on them so like honestly the only ex- the only solution I can think of is to for studios to release more mid budget films which they just don't really do anymore. I mean th- that is a good idea. Didn't Disney push a couple films late last week? I didn't put this on on the dock for us to talk about, but I think there was a couple releases. Maybe there were Fox releases. Yeah, they, right. I think you yeah, wrote about that, right? yeah. I didn't write it, but um, they yeah they finally de- uh, delayed both Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds video game movie, and uh, Death on the Nile, the Murder on the Orient Express sequel. Yeah, so everybody's getting out of Dodge here. I don't know but, what's going. But happen. Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four still coming out on Christmas, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, I'm not sure if people out there know this, but. Uh, Major publications, newspapers, they they all write obituaries far in advance of like, you know, whenever someone starts to get old or even like really famous, they have like a whole obituary written up just in case that person dies and they're ready to go. They just got to like write in like the beginning of it where it announces, you know, how they died and when they died and how old they were and stuff like that. It may be updated a bit. 
we've had the story in the back end for quite a bit for Wonder Woman getting pushed until a later date. We're, we're, we're ready. It's like, uh, I guess it's in, in many ways the obituary of film. In, uh, we also have we also have an obituary prepared for movie theaters, so get ready for that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Speaking of which, Cinemark is allowing shortened theatrical windows for movies on a case by case basis starting this month. What does that mean, Brad? Well, so we heard uh, earlier this year that AMC theaters struck a deal with Universal Pictures to shorten the theatrical window from the usual three months to 17 days. So some movies that Universal was going to release in theaters, they would be putting on uh, premium VOD 17 days later, which is an extremely short window between theatrical and uh, what, what you would call home video, even though uh, the movie isn't necessarily for sale, just merely available for rent digitally at that point. Um, and all the other theaters were pretty mad about that, but it seems like it might be their best option to maybe make a, just a little bit more uh, money at this point because uh, Cinemark will be doing something similar, uh, at least with Universal movies, since they have been offered the opportunity to do so. Because uh, Universal has made three of their upcoming releases available uh, to play in theaters with the agreement and understanding that they will be movies that will be going straight to uh, VOD shortly thereafter. Uh, so the upcoming uh, body swap horror comedy Freaky, the uh, thriller Let Him Go starring Kevin Costner, and The Croods 2 will all be playing in Cinemark theaters, but they've made some kind of deal to agree that those movies will then be available on VOD uh, shortly thereafter, and they won't really uh, be complaining about it. And so they, they've said essentially that uh, in this environment, they'll be considering deals like this on a case-by-case basis. It's not something that they're looking at as being a sweeping change where they will allow this all the time with any movie that comes to theaters. Um, but, you know, the, their CEO acknowledges that, you know, that these are very precarious times and they're they're factoring in the current environment by making these decisions. And, you know, if they don't have these movies, then they don't have anything new to bring in audiences. It's still the, the repertory screenings of, of older movies. So this is their best bet at least making some money back during this situation. Um, and Cinemark specifically, they've been helped actually for a while because they've been uh, use, doing that watch party plan where you can rent out a theater for up to 20 people. And apparently they've had over 50,000 of those ordered uh, during this time. But e- even that, you know, that's the, they're, they're barely getting by, if, you know, if then probably not that's even really say, making money. After that, what is that, like $200, $300 to rent out a theater? So that 50,000 <laughs> times 200, it's not that much money. Yeah, it, it's actually even less because I uh, because the, the highest, I think, is um, 150. So, oh, wow. Uh, I guess the question here is like, once you open this door and this is, I think something the exhibitors have been saying for a long time now, now that like these theaters are allowing these shortened theatrical windows, once you open this door, like, is there any way to go back later when, you know, COVID is magically under control? I mean, probably not, but at the same time, I don't think this will have like a a huge shakeup of the way people think it does. Like, I think it'll change things for, um, you know, the, the mid-budget movies that remain, indie movies, um, maybe certain dramas, because those will be movies that, like, they don't necessarily have long legs at the box office anyway. So I feel like theaters aren't going to lose too much money by shortening the theatrical window for some of these movies, because they're the kind of movies that you're getting pe- maybe two or three people in a screen after the first three weeks of release. 
Um, and studios will will be saving money because they won't have to pay to keep that movie in theaters, and they'll they'll reap in the revenue from VOD. So, I think that it won't it won't have too big of an impact um, in as far as like I don't know changing the distribution game any more than it it already has been because the people that aren't going to movie theaters and waiting for movies to come home on VOD aren't really going to be any more enticed you know, to, to do so in the, in the future, unless there's some kind of big change. So if anything, maybe this will light a fire under the asses of movie theaters to strike more deals with theaters so that they can share in some of that VOD revenue somehow. Yeah. And I I think you're right. It's going to be a lot of smaller stuff. I don't see like anything big, like, you know, uh, Disney is releasing Pixar soul, uh, direct to Disney plus, uh, at least domestically on what Christmas, I think it is. Yeah. Christmas day. Uh, like I don't think they're gonna do this here, right? With the the Cinemark deal. Yeah, exactly. Like they're, the, I I mean, Disney's releasing the, those movies on streaming because they have their own streaming service. They're gonna get reap all the benefits from releasing it that way anyway. But like, they're not gonna next year. They're not gonna release the next Pixar movie to Disney Plus if theaters are back, you know, and fully operational. They're gonna make sure that they reap as much box office from that as they can. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about there is a People Under the Stairs remake. Coming from producer Jordan Peele, Chris, tell us about it. Yeah, uh, we don't have too much info. We just know that uh, Jordan Peele, who has said in the past that he's a fan of this film, uh, the the original Wes Craven movie, which came out in 1991, is uh, going to executive produce a a remake. Um, There's no director attached yet. We don't really know how it's going to be different than the original, but there's definitely... um, room for potential here uh, you know the original film has has its moments and it has a really interesting weird vibe and it's it's uh you know it's it's also really sends up the the, the reagan era there, there's like there's a crazy couple in the film who are modeled after ronald and nancy reagan and all that stuff so it's got a lot of great ideas but the execution is kind of uh messy so i actually kind of welcome a remake to this with you know a steadier hand provided you know a, a good filmmaker gets attached to to make it so um yeah that that's really all we know at the moment i'm actually surprised that this horror film hasn't it, it doesn't have a remake right i'm, I'm searching imdb no, no, right no. now and i don't see one i see one that there was one in development from director orion james who's orion james i guess uh well, i don't know Actually, maybe this might be like a fan thing or something. It doesn't seem legit. Uh, yeah, I, it just seems like one of those horror films that like, I don't think I've actually ever seen The People Under the Stairs, to be honest with you. I've seen a lot of the Wes Craven films, but it, it's one of those titles you see come up a lot in horror, uh, even though, you know, I'm guessing many people haven't seen it. It's, it like you said, it has... Uh, plenty of room to to do something new and different with it what do you think jordan peele's take like because there must be some kind of new i feel like i don't know i don't want to paint him into a box here but i feel like he really makes the, the movies that he makes like he's trying to reinvent them to be relevant in today in a major way does that make right. sense no yeah I, I think that's accurate and yeah i definitely could see um is reflecting that in some way. I mean, you know, the original film is, uh, you know, in many ways about uh, race and racism. And, you know, it, it's about um, 
uh, you know, the, the villains in the film that that couple who are modeled on the Reagans, they're, you know, they're 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 crazy lunatics who also uh, are, you know, own a lot of property and they're they're trying to evict black people from their homes. And, you know, th- there's definitely uh, plenty of, of room for social commentary there. I, I do wonder if they're going to like shift from uh, uh, look at, at at the Reagan era to more of, of the Trump era, since, you know, it would be a, a modern day take on that. And you know, like I said, there's there's definitely room there for stuff like that. I feel like like wouldn't that be too on the nose, though? I don't know. I mean, it depends on how it's done. You know, if, yeah. if they have a guy like if they have someone who literally looks like Trump running around. <laughs> yes, that would be a bit, a bit on the nose. But uh, hope I'm I'm hopeful yeah. that Jordan Peele is, is a bit more subtle than that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, uh, let's talk about this other film that's in development uh, with director Kyle Newman, who is a friend of Slash Film, a friend of mine. Uh, he has a movie in the works, which is an esports movie. Brad, tell us about it. Yeah, not only is it an esports movie, but it's the first movie from BuzzFeed Studios. Uh, the website is getting into filmmaking, and they're doing it in the most millennial way possible. Um, it, it's going to be presented as a top ten list. <laughs> uh, so the movie, the movie's called One Up. Um, it's uh, has Ellen Page attached to star in it, and so the the story. Uh, follows a, a young female gamer named Vivian. Uh, she's played by uh, Paris um, Berelk uh, of Hubie Halloween. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and so she quits uh, her college esports team due to uh, sexism from her male uh, teammates. Uh, but apparently she has a scholarship in professional video gaming that's on the line. So in order to try and keep that scholarship, she makes a new team formed of uh, misfit female gamers who hope to uh, take down the the douchebags that she used to play with. Um, and so Ellen, Ellen Page is playing a character who is uh, their coach, this the new team's coach. And apparently she is a... Um, from the video game industry, she had some kind of Gamergate uh, kind of scandal. If you don't know what Gamergate is, you can go look it up <laughs> and read all about that craziness. Um, and so she'll be she'll be their coach trying to get them in shape to to take on this other esports team. Has there been any big esports movies that aren't documentaries? I don't believe so, as far as I know. But then again, there could be like a whole you know uh, arena that we're just not familiar with. Maybe like an underground sort of thing where esports players have made their own movies or, or, or something like that. But I, I don't know of any famous ones. Yeah, it seems like there's some kind of movie called the King's avatar, which might be produced in, I don't know. It looks outside the United States. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I guess the big question here is like, is the world ready for an esports movie? Um, I mean, in some ways, I think, yes, you know, esports is this interesting evolution of um, of sports, you know, albeit in video game form, you know, uh, you know, it's even though it's something that seems silly to think about professional video gamers, you know, th- these are people who do spend hours, you know, honing, you know, this uh, skill, if, if you want to call it that. And like they they're very good at what they do and they're making millions of dollars off of sponsors and all this kind of thing. But like, I think my biggest hesitation with something like this is how do you make it exciting to watch people play video games, you know? Um, because I, Hey, what, what was wizard not exciting when they went to universal studios and they had <laughs> Super Mario, Mario brothers championships? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, there's, there's a way to do it, I think, but like all, I think all the ways we've ever seen it is it's kind of, 
a gimmick, you know, and like, but, but then again, you know, ESPN has played esports championships. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- those are very popular. People love watching Twitch streams of people playing video games. So th- this isn't exactly that. Cause you're not getting like commentary while people are playing from people who you know they, they deem as interesting personalities. Um, but you know, maybe there's some way to make it visually interesting so that you're not just watching somebody looking at a screen and messing with a controller. I, I will say this, that I, I think the whole subculture of esports is really interesting, and it's something that a lot of people out there don't really know much about. Like, there's, like, you know, these teams that, like, they live together, and they're, they're like, just playing all day, training for these things. They're highly sponsored. You know, I, I probably sound like an idiot because I, I really don't know much about it, but I know some of my friends are really into it, and it, it, I just feel like that there's a lot to explore from the dynamics and the of that world it's like such a like subculture that i think you know most of this world probably doesn't know much about um but on the other and i also think it's interesting to deal with gamergate and stuff like that but it kind of worries me that that like um i don't know like like it's a very touchy topic to explore with a movie uh is it the right place for like director Kyle Newman, who we know best from what uh, fanboys? Yeah, I mean, so the the overall like tone of this movie was is described as being something akin to Pitch Perfect, um, and so even though Kyle Newman is is directing, uh, the script does come from a woman named uh, Julia Yorks, and having two female characters, uh, at, well, several female characters since it's an entire team of gamers at the center of it, I think it will hopefully you know, make it so that this is more interesting than just being something that's like an, a very inside thing for the male dominated game industry. And it'll provide different perspective and kind of, you know, give a female voice, you know, to the kind of gamers who are underrepresented and, you know, hopefully provide a perspective on Gamergate that obviously will be controversial to those who have a very (laughs) poor perspective, you know, on what video, what, uh, what the video game industry is and how it should operate. Um, So I, I think there's potential there to do something innovative with, with that approach. Okay, we have one final story today, and this one just broke right before we recorded this podcast, and that is A Quiet Place 3 is in the works, which is kind of crazy to me because I drive by this billboard every day that t- tells me that something called A Quiet Place 2 came out in March, but that, that never happened. So we're, we're getting a third film. Chris, tell us what's going on here. Right. We don't know if this will officially be called A Quiet Place 3 or Part 3 or if it's going to be a, a spinoff. All we know is that uh, John Krasinski, who directed the first two films, came up with the idea for this, but he's handing the film over to Jeff Nichols to, to write and direct. And Jeff Nichols uh, is director of films like um, Midnight Special and, and Take Shelter and Mud. And uh, that's pretty pretty cool because I really, really like Jeff Nichols. I think he's a, he's a great director. He's not like you know, a huge name. But you know he has a, a a strong fan base, and he he always churns out really interesting movies. That while they're not you know box office uh, blockbusters, um, they're always just really interesting and fascinating. So I love the idea of him being handed this you know very big expensive franchise and and being able to presumably do you know whatever he wants with it you know in within reason. Um, again, we don't have plot details. You know, there's speculation that maybe. Uh, this won't 
keep the story going from the first two films. In other words, it's not going to be about, you know, Emily Blunt and her kids still running away from the alien monsters, but it might open the world up and, and focus on other characters living in this, you know, post-apocalyptic world, which, you know, would be very cool. Um, I haven't seen A Quiet Place 2 yet, so I don't really know even how that ends or uh, where, where and that, that that's supposed to be like a sequel and with some like flashbacks. So it's a sequel and a prequel kind of right. movie following right. the same characters. I mean, it, it, it's a sequel that it, it, it directly follows the first film, but it, there's also flashbacks that, that show uh, how the alien invasion started. Um, uh, and again, I'm basing all of this off of stuff I've read and, and the trailers. I haven't actually seen it yet, but so, um, but yeah, I, I do think the most um, logical next point would be to open the world up and, and focus on other characters, you know, because, you know, Emily Blunt and her kids aren't the only people still alive in this world. So it would be interesting to see how other people elsewhere are dealing with uh, this this post-apocalyptic scenario. And I, I love the idea of Jeff Nichols being the guy who's who's handling that. Now, you mentioned you like Jeff Nichols' work. Uh, I think a lot of people out there probably don't know Jeff Nichols or maybe haven't even seen any of his films. So I'm wondering if you could, uh, you know, give us cliff notes of who he is and why he might be good for this. Right. So he makes really um, interesting takes, you know, they're, they're genre pictures for the most part, except for um, his most recent movie was loving, which is a, a drama based on a true story, but he makes movies that are sort of like low. <laughs> I don't want to say low rank because that makes them sound cheap, but it's like if Steven Spielberg were making indie movies today, he kind of would be doing what Jeff Nichols is doing. Like midnight special is very much like influenced by like close encounters of the third kind and, and stuff like that. And um, uh, take shelter is, is a great like uh, paranoid sort of thriller starring Michael Shannon as this guy who's, who has these really disturbing nightmares about the world ending. And he's convinced like the apocalypse is coming and, and no one believes him and everyone thinks he's crazy. And so he, he just makes these really interesting character pieces that have these, these genre elements, these horror sci-fi elements, but they're not like full blown horror sci-fi films. And he also works with Michael Shannon a lot. Michael Shannon is in, every single one of his movies, uh, you, you know, sometimes he has a big role. Sometimes he has a small role. So I really hope that means we're getting like Michael Shannon in a quiet place part three. Cause that would be amazing. Okay. When do you, when does the quiet place part two come out? Is that in April? Yes. It, April 23rd, 2021 is the current uh, release date. And that does it for today's Slash Home Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And please rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends. Spread the word. And we'll see you on Wednesday. Baseball fans, BetMGM is giving you the chance to win a prize every day during the baseball season. Step into the batter's box for BetMGM Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. Pick any area of the strike zone and take your best swing. If you get a single, double, triple, or home run, you'll receive a prize. Smash a home run to collect a bonus bet on us. Just log into your BetMGM Sports account to get started. Then visit your promotion section to access the Swing for the Fences free-to-play game. You'll score a prize if you hit a single, double, 
triple, or home run. There's nothing more exciting than going yard. So swing for the fences with the king of sportsbooks. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Must be 21 plus and present in Ohio. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards vary depending on the market and expire 24 hours from issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.